You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive content. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Scottish Football Show right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPike, as always, delighted to be here. Wilson's here as always this week. Wilson, how are we? Hi, thanks Scott. Delighted to be here again in the, in the first show that we've had this year, I think, after a Rangers defeat. So, all, <laughs> all good here. Rory, Rory Lloyd's here as well. Rory, how are we doing? Aye, all good, all good. Enjoyed all, all the football over the weekend, including last night's game. Uh, lived up to the, the weekend's action, so look forward to chatting about it all. Definitely. We should have Shankers at some point on the show, but we are joined by a very special guest, former manager of Stranraer and the Barton, currently East Bride, Stevie Aitken. Stevie, it's a pleasure to welcome you on to the show, finally. Thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me. Um, it's been a long time coming. Uh, you've been uh, at me for a while um, to go on the show, so uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to chat with the guys. It'll be good fun. Brilliant, definitely. We record this show usually on a Sunday, but this Sunday we, we thought we'd wait until after all the Scottish Cup quarterfinals were uh, finished. Obviously, the last time we recorded this show, we did touch briefly on the news that was coming through on the Sunday regarding this European Super League. Since then, obviously, the the football world has been kind of cha- changed. I would say changed by this whole thing. We'll just give everybody a wee minute just to ex- talk about this. We'll start with Rory. Rory, did you think on Sunday when we st- the kind of early conversation we had about this that it would go on to what it became? Um, I think after the Monday night football and when Carragher and Neville came on and were kind of expressing their views um, and, and everyone got behind them and then the protests at the stadium... I think that it was inevitable that it was going to fall flat in its face at some point. I think some clubs, although none of the clubs have come out with much respect, I think, for example, Liverpool's owner and coming out and kind of going, listen, it was a mistake, apologise, never thought about it that way. I think there's clubs that have come out with it with a little bit more respect and a bit more saving grace than others. Um, you know, I know Real Madrid's president. I know they are still part of it to an extent. So I know has the, the, the president at Real Madrid is no painting selling in a very good light. But... Aye, it was inevitable that it was going to fall flat in its face. I thought Man United's kind of statement about it all was a little bit pathetic, but generally speaking, um, aye, I think I think we all expected after after a few days of all the talk that it was it was going to kind of um, cease to exist uh, by the end of the week. Well, so what was your thoughts on it? Obviously, we were on Sunday and we spoke about it briefly. It transit it kind of changed pretty quickly, didn't it? It went from a possibility to, as Rory said, falling flat in its face. I was, as I say, I was a wee bit confused. I think last Sunday was you saw my my, my, my response to it all. Um, I, to be honest, I don't know if this was the kind of. I think this is going to be kind of manipulated in a different way. I think some of these teams want like, a change to uh, the current uh, state of the Champions League, Europa League. I didn't think this would ever be put when I read into the facts. I didn't think this would ever be pushed through with, with these big teams. But I think they're, I don't know if that's maybe their end game. I think there's maybe a plan B that they want changes to the competition, which in effect would maybe guarantee Champions League entry every year, which it more or less does for some of these teams. I think this year in the, the English Premier League, it's a bit different with, you know, Leicester and West Ham in that vying for places. But I don't think we've heard the last of it. But I did, I did, I did enjoy Gary Neville last week and Carragher last week coming out and 
just blaming all the owners of the clubs, you know, all the the Americans and the Saudis and whoever, uh, Abramovich, etc., blaming all them. I think when it was first made, I think a lot of folk at the club would have been involved in it, um, rather than just, just the owners. I don't think it went as far as it did. If it was just the owners that were interested. But it was it was all quite bizarre for me. And as I say, I keep saying on this, this programme, even with the, with the, in our league in the SPL, if you're having something like that and you're looking to generate income, why would you not invite Rangers and Celtic? Because the stadiums would sell out every single game. They would probably take, you know, 10,000 supporters to every away game. You know, it keeps them going up here because they're massively supported teams. Um, so I, I, didn't, I didn't really get that because they're, they're bigger than half of those teams in England, to be honest, that were invited in. Um, probably bigger than Inter, AC Milan, out, you know, worldwide, rather than just in Italy. So, but it's obviously falling flat on its face. So, uh, maybe that's probably the best thing. But I do think change will come. I, do, I really do. Stevie, what was your thoughts on it? Obviously, last week it did, as, as they said, it kind of transformed, it has transformed football. What was your thoughts on it? I think the initial shock of it coming out, I don't think anybody uh, spoke with us uh, before the announcement that they were going to create a Super League. So, I think the announcement that it was going to happen kind of shocked everyone um, and especially on the Monday night when um, the guys were talking about Jimmy Carrick and Guy Neville it, it turned so quickly the announcement uh, it turned the following night to protests uh, in the clubs uh, all the clubs gathered mass uh, together um, to try and get it to stop so I wasn't um, I was surprised it came out but I wasn't too surprised when I seen it falling flat on its face um, I think there's more to come I think the guys are right I think it's uh, you might not hear the end of it I think there's, there's still teams wanting to get involved in it and I think these big clubs uh, looking to uh, generate big revenue, you know, they'll not leave it lie uh, until they can maybe try and get something. So maybe it's a start of maybe rejigging a competition, maybe the Champions League, maybe Europa League, uh, maybe they'll do that. But certainly wasn't surprised that it fell flat on its face, um, especially momentum it gathered with other clubs uh, so quickly. Uh, but I think it was just an initial shock that this bit put out there, this is going to happen so quickly without anybody really knowing about it. I think that's what took everybody by... Um, by shock, and I think that's ultimately what's caused them uh, these clubs coming out. So, uh, I'm interested going forward. I mean, I as this big guy said, I don't think they they fell down into this. Definitely, it's it's a, it's one that's kind of captivated the football world. But we'll move on to the the Scottish Cup. We saw 15 goals in four games this weekend. Hibs two, Motherwell two was the first game we'll kick off with. Rory, Hibs obviously won the game in penalties. Did you now think Hibs are the favourites? And how much did you enjoy the game? In, no, I don't think Hibs are necessarily the favourites. League form would suggest that they are favourites, but in one-off games, um, you, you can never tell who's going to come out on top. So I think it's very difficult to... I think it's very easy to put Hibs as your favourites, but the game is good. It had a lot of quality, um, some some really good goals as well. Um, it certainly had the excitement, fact, uh, excitement factor as well. I think that, um, you know, Hibs have shown in the semi-final against St. Johnson... Um, the, the kind of the pressure of being the favourites got to them. I think as well they they looked very suspect. Um, you know, losing two goals in the last ten minutes in a quarter final. I think they've shown that they're not. You can't count on them in these situations. Just you know, similar to Rangers, that they've shown that you can't count on them in these situations. And Hibs are exactly the same. So I think it's anybody's tournament. I really do. I think St Johnston will have the most momentum and the most belief. Um, but in one-off games, these things don't count for much over the course of a season. Hibs are the third best team in the country. 
over the course of two games, there's there's no telling who can who can come out on top. So I enjoyed the game. Uh, a lot of good goals and the entertainment value was there. Everything you're looking for in a quarter finally a cut. To be honest, at 2-0 Hibs, I didn't have given them a little, any chance of getting back in the game. But credit to them, they did it. Um, and it must be quite deflating for them to have done that and then go out the way they did. But I Hibs will go in as favourites. It's just whether they can deal with it this time. And maybe the saving grace for them, although it wouldn't have been at the time in the semi-final of the League Cup, getting beat 3-0 off St Mern, maybe that'll be their saving grace this time around and maybe they'll learn from experience. Yeah, definitely. Wilson, yeah. Regarding that game, you want to add? Nah, both teams are garbage. <laughs> nah, as I, as I say, um, I, I, I do think Hibs are favourites. I think just with the, just the strike force is maybe better than the other three teams' strike force. I'm not necessarily saying they're a much better team, um, but Boyle, Boyle seems to be kind of getting on the score sheet. Nisbet seems to be playing a bit better. I think they've maybe got a wee bit more, but again, I know you'll be moving on, but I was stunned by the Dundee United result, and I think on this chat, you know, we've been waiting for Shanklin, McNulty and that to, to do a wee bit this season. I think they've been a wee bit stop-starty, um, but, but it'll be interesting, but I think I, I, would agree, I think Hibs are the favourites now. Definitely. We'll touch on the, the Dundee United game as well. Steve, obviously, a brilliant result for Dundee United, but Stephen Glass, how much of a, a job does he have get in there in the summer to change that team? Do you think it has become a bit stale? Uh, I think it's probably uh, right for a change. I was, um, I'm good friends with Derek. Um, I've been playing golf him uh, over the last week now that he's back up the road and uh, we've been talking about it. And I think uh, he, he was saying that being at a club for eight years, um, I think he do become still uh, for both parties. I think his side that he wanted to try and finish the season off, try and get him into third place because that's what consistently he'd been doing up there. But I think MD, we're going to have a lean after Derek McKenzie will find it tough because I don't think people actually realise how good a job he's actually done. When you look at how Aberdeen are competing, uh, especially eight years he was here, taking them from like a mid-table team um, to constantly challenging the top end of the league. But Aberdeen are never going to win the league. They're never going to beat Reasons and Celtic um, to it because resources they two clubs are too big. So they're never going to do that. But to get third place, regular, cup finals, semi-finals, yeah, good runs in Europe, um, I think it's a tough gig for Stephen Glass um, coming from America when football is totally different um, yes I get he's Aberdeen um, supporter but uh, I think it's a big job there and it'll really be interesting um, to see how it's going to kick off next season also with Scott Brown going there uh, as a potential Lee Griffiths maybe another one um, and I think like any manager um, that's going to be his recruitment and um, if he can recruit well uh, it'll give him a chance but um, certainly following down McCann's uh, shoes I think it's going to be a tough ass for him yeah, definitely. Rory, what do you think about Stephen Glass? Do you think he do can I go along with what Stevie's saying? I definitely we we spoke a few weeks ago about the Celtic manager coming in and whether the new Celtic manager takes over for the Scottish Cup or whether he doesn't. And we touched on the fact that he's kinda on to buttons because see if he takes over and he has to win it. Otherwise that's the expectation. And it was the same as Stevie Stephen Glass. I felt a little bit like Stephen Glass has appointed the Aberdeen manager anything less than a cup final probably for Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup seen as a failure. So you're putting him in a position where, as Stevie says it exactly, he's got a lot of recruitment to do over the summer and he's got a lot of people to convince with the football side of things. But now for me, he's going into the summer with the fans already questioning him. So, you know, they've put him in a position where he really couldn't win. It's not his players. People will understand that to an extent, but the manner they went out um, the other day has, has got to be a concern. I mean, Dundee United were excellent. Mark McNulty's, uh, I think it was his second goal. Some of the combination play, would they've been raving about that if that was scored down in England. Um, 
And then, as Wilson says, Hibs as well have got some really good attacking players. So that's a really kind of mouthwatering semi-final that Dundee United Hibs with the attacking players on show. But in terms of Stephen Glass, I just think it was a strange time for... Maybe Stevens could give us more insight into why that timing was was there. But it was a strange time to me for McInnes to leave. It certainly seemed like that from the outside. But also it was a strange time to appoint a new manager just before the cup with a team that had underperformed all season. And for me now, he's got an uphill task on, on two fronts, trying to convince the fans he's the right man for the job. And he's got a lot of work to do behind the scenes. If it was me, I think it was Paul Sheeran that was in charge for a couple of games. It would have been, if it would have been up to me, I would have, I would have said, leave him in. Let Stephen Glass have an overlook of the, the squad um, and, and start next season afresh rather than going in as the guy who now has lost 3-0 uh, to Dundee United in, in a Scottish Cup. Yeah, definitely. We'll move on to the the, game, the other game on Sunday. Rangers won, St Johnson won. Obviously, a lot to get into here. We'll give the floor to Wilson. He's been desperate to get talking about this. <laughs> Wilson, the floor's yours. On you go. No, not at all. Um, I, I, I don't think I, I mean, everyone was surprised by by by, by the result. Um, obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, and again, you guys not accusing you, Stephen, but a few Rangers supporters on this channel, I'll tell you. Um, it was what, what surprised me was uh, the substitutions. You know, and and you can I suppose you can mirror it back to the the old firm game. You know, Edward was having the worst game of his career probably at Ibrox. But they kept him on because he's the man that will. That if anyone's going to nick a goal, then it will probably be him. Whereas I would say the same about Morelos. I mean, I know he had three chances, but one's hit the inside of the post and one's a world they save. Yeah, it was is under Clark's ankle. And I think, why would you sub him off? Because he's dropping in and then running the channels. Whereas Kemal Roof just coming on and you know trying to hold the ball in. Um, but they, they kept Edward on and they missed a penalty. Well, I know what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, uh, John Kennedy took the gamble, leaving him on. Whereas Gerrard's taking the gamble and just replaced striker for striker. I'm wondering, could he have left? Could he have brought Roof on and went for the game? You know, and went with the two. You know, uh, so I, I thought that substitution. I'm not saying that changed the game. Um, I only found out. I actually thought the substitution um, with the boy Simpson. I, I didn't realise Hollander um, had picked up an injury, but. Looking at the St. Johnson goal, I'm thinking, is that not exactly the kind of position where Hollander would have been if he'd been on the pitch? So is there a kind of miscommunication um, coming on? And I know, I mean, I saw something bizarre the day that John Collins was pointing the finger at Alan McGregor for the goal. Um, so I thought it was a wee bit strange, but you experts might know more than me. But it's, it's, it's a shock result, you know. But as I said, and I was having a pop of use on our WhatsApp chat, I think if you'd said to every Rangers supporter at the start of the season, you win the league and nothing else, I'm quite sure they've bit your hand off. Absolutely. What I'm not sure about is if you'd said to Rangers at the start of the year, you win the league and Celtic will win nothing, would I, would you have expected a treble? Is you know in terms of the resources etc. They're much bigger and better than anybody else's. And as I say, I, I was quite glad that Stephen Gerrard came out and. Gave it a bit, you know, he said one trophy from nine's unacceptable and it shows obviously his determination to succeed and his attitude um, to winning. But as I say, again, I don't think you can criticise the job Gerard's done, but I think there'll be big disappointment among sections of the supporters and the dressing room um, that they've only won the league this year with, with regards to how bad Celtic have been. 
Stevie, what's your thoughts on it? The the game obviously is, we'll give St Johnson a lot of credit for the game and we'll touch on St Johnson in a few minutes. But Ray, were you surprised by Rangers just how kind of flat they were? I thought it was probably the most disappointing performance of the season. I felt. Yeah, I think there's so much at stake. Also, we could um, have been done this the three or four weeks previous to it. So I think everybody knew that the Scottish Cup was Alaska um, tournament they were really focusing on. Um, on the game itself. Um, I thought St Johnson, to, to be honest, were always in the game. I don't think, certainly watched the game, I, I thought Rangers were really comfortable in it. Um, they'd made some good chances. I think the biggest disappointment that you know, Steve and Jared look back on, the game management, the, the game was won. It won nothing. You know, and yes, the changes he made could have made different changes. But they, time and time again, they had the possession the ball. They tried to run in the corner. They tried to waste time. Just bad, bad decisions. And the one that sums up for me was the goalkeeper comes up. Um, and, it, and we've touched on it a bit maybe Alan McGregor I, I'm, I'm not sure Alan, Alan McGregor could have came for that I know because he scored it was but surely someone in the team sees a goalkeeper come up a different colour of jersey stands right in the centre of the box surely someone takes responsibility and says I'll go and pick him up uh, and they never done that so I just think the game management was really poor um, and that's what I was really surprised at because it wasn't nothing up he's, you've got the game um, you, you can maybe make, make changes in the time but I just thought the, the the decision with players on the park, I thought well, it was really poor to finish the game off. And, and ultimately, they'll, they'll look back on uh, the season and say, yes, we won the league, that's what, that's what all the sports want to go and do. But I think it's a missed opportunity for a treble. Um, you can look back at the St. Mullen game in the League Cup, they never played well that night. Um, and again, and on Sunday. Uh, but listen, credit to St. Johnson. Uh, I said throughout the game, I thought their, their shape, the way they played, they attacked Rangers. Um, and they deserved it, you know. You couldn't, you could not say they didn't deserve to get through, you know. So they'll be disappointed, um, you know. But I think overall, the focus this year was, was to get the league, and I say that's been done. Yeah, definitely. Rory, yeah, you want to add about the, the game? Um, what I will say is, I don't think this will be a popular opinion opinion with you. I, I, I've been, I, I've been quite a big one in saying that, especially with with, with the kind of the. The leagues that Celtic won, there wasn't a lot of competition. And as I touched on earlier, over the course of a season, I do believe that. But I think it does. I think this season puts Celtic's achievements of the cup domestic competitions over the last four seasons into perspective. You know, Rangers have been far, by far and away the best team, but on any given day, you can get beat. Celtic went four years in domestic cup competitions without losing a game and lifting, you know, four, four League Cups and four Scottish Cups in a row. So I think this season puts that achievement into perspective even more with how dominant Rangers have been yet on any given day you can lose a game of football so I I, I was obviously as a Rangers fan myself disappointed a little bit last night but I think as disappointing as a season as it has been for Celtic they're probably looking at that going or certain sections of their supporters are looking at it going well you know a lot of people have said for years there wasn't any competition well this year when you know when Rangers have arguably, arguably got no competition they've, they've no managed to, to win anything but the league so I think last night showed how difficult it is to win these cups. But you know, I think though, like as well, like, as Wilson said about the the fourth league cup, the four. If you'd ask any Rangers fan, do they want to win the the league this season? Of course they did. That was the number one objective. But we we're all we're all Scottish football fans. If one of the old firm get put out of, out of cup, you expect the other one to go and win it. Absolutely, yeah. that's what I'm saying. So. I think it just shows how difficult it is to do it still. You know, that that's twice now Celtic have been out and Rangers have put out and Celtic did it for four years in a row where they won both cups and I, and I think 
a lot of people have, including myself, underestimated that. And I think it opened my eyes last night and the St Mern game early in the season to just how difficult it is to win these cups, regardless of who you're playing against. And it's a fact as well that you've seen that game already this season. Rangers scoring against St Marin with Stephen Davis. Stephen Davis scores and I think the Rangers players think this is we've won. Doesn't work like that. But as Steve has said, how do you... Sure is, and and that's, that's something now, again, you all, all say oh, he's having a go at um, Rangers again. You'll all think that. Um, but it's something I've discussed with a couple of my mates that are big Rangers supporters. Is, is there a different mentality at Rangers? Because you've seen... Not, not how poor, how poor is the wrong word. You've seen how they've kind of progressed as such. Um, but they've, they've fell up short in the last few years. And see this year without the punters being there, is that kind of release for some players? Because you disagreed last night, but Tavernier to, to get, gets pelters from the punters and has done up until this season because they're no there. And now he's had the season, to, you know, as a right back, he's been absolutely outstanding, you know? And I just wonder, is there a different mentality? Is the, the pressure of play, play, playing in front of 50,000 I think that I think I think I think it flies in the face of that opinion. Though the fact that they have been knocked out the cup, there was no fans there last night. There was no fans I, there. I, against, I'm just saying, that it, has it changed the kind of mentality? Because they've ripped the league up to bits. Are they are they, they expecting just to turn up and beat teams now? Because I think it's exactly because if that exactly. went to you, you know, Rory, you've been there. If that game had went to extra time with fifty thousand uh, Rangers supporters in there, and they'd they've already strolled the league. Would would the pressure have been a lot, you know, a, a lot more than it was? Would, they still, they still, they still didn't win, and there was no support. I think it just boils down to exactly what what Stevie said there. You see, you know, see at the end there when Xander Clark comes up, every every defender in in you know kind of big midfielder would have a man. It takes a striker or a winger or whoever has to go a man to go. I'm going to take responsibility here, and I'm going to come in and march somebody, or I'm going to switch with one of the centre backs who've got the small. I think it's game management exactly. Aye, it's, not, aye, it's not even that as well. It was it's a just fact that one moment. Even like I think, I think you can take great pride that it's the only guy in green that scored at Ibrox this year. <laughs> you're looking at that way, you know that's a pretty. Is, but you're you're making that point, Moore, and it's keen. But you're talking about game management as well. Ranger, Kamar roofed the ball in the corner with a minute to go. How does it? How do you end up conceding a goal for a corner? That's game management, in my opinion. I don't, I'm not. Exactly, I'm not just exactly talking Kamar roof. But exactly, what, exactly what Stevie says, a lack of responsibility and a lack of communication to go, right, there's an extra guy in the box here, who's picking him up, who's doing what, you know, leadership or whatever else, I, I don't necessarily think it's set to do with fans, to be honest with you, but if Rangers won that game 3-0 yeah, last night... Pressure, pressure from fans. Well, the pressure got to them, and there was no fans. But you can mm-hmm. turn that around another way, you can, say, you, can say about Cel- you can say about Celtic as well, would Celtic, do you think Celtic would have thrived in the fans this year? Do you think, that, do you think that's the reason they've, done as, they've been as poor? Like, I'd... I'm not using that as a... As, I'm just saying, like... Let, let, let's get out of here. Rangers have been the best team and the best team wins the league. What I'm saying is, like, another example you could use, I know it's not Scottish football, look at Liverpool last year, you know, to Liverpool this year. You know, I think... That, and I, I even think Kilmarnock sometimes, you know, some of the times, and I know we had maybe better players, better manager, etc. at the time, but some, some of the games where we played the old form at Rugby Park, you're thinking... We could actually win the day. It wasn't like we're oh, going to hope we keep it to don't you one two nil, you know. And there's that belief in the fans. The fans breed it, and you you know you you guys have played at opposition grounds where that you think well the punters are worth a goal a start twelfth man etc. All these analogies. But as I say, I, I think Rangers have benefited 
from not having the supporters in because let's be honest, old firm fans are critical after 20 minutes if you're no a goal up at least and playing the other team off the park. I agree with that because you've made you've made that point there, but you you went on Twitter after the game and you would have thought Rangers season's been a failure just on that game. Rangers have won the league. Rangers have won that was the target. I know the only point I was making is it puts into perspective how difficult it is to win the treble and Celtic done it oh, two years in a row. Absolutely, yeah, I totally agree. But I, I you, you, you would say you would say though after particularly beating Celtic last week and the fact Celtic went out of the League Cup as well, Rangers fans want Rangers fans felt that was a massive chance to win. It would have solidified. Not that I'm saying that Gerard and the team don't deserve credit. This team will live on in folklore for this season for winning the league, but it's two massive chances to lift cups, and that has been the the one stick you can beat that team with. They don't do it in big, big games up until this season. They didn't. They were poor. How many? The the league cup final last season, a perfect example. They didn't have the mentality to win that game. They played brilliant. They didn't have the mentality to win that game. Is that a thing? Do you think that is a thing where? This team don't have the mentality to win one-off games. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I don't I'm think. Not, I mean, again, that the League Cup final against Celtic was again just one of these unique games that happened. The same as a wee bit like Sunday was. Now I think Celtic. the last goalkeeper I saw score a goal was maybe Jimmy Glass at Carlisle. You know, or I think maybe Peter Schmeichel scored one for Everton or Aston Villa or someone once as well. I remember them scoring for goal the, the League Cup final was as bizarre at best. Um, but, I think um, Celtic Celtic didn't test that theory, uh, Pikey, is what I will say. You know, Rangers yeah, in one-off games. Yeah. Rangers in one-off games looked looked nervous. They looked like the pressure got to them. Right. Celtic never tested that theory in the league because. Rangers, it, they made it easy for Rangers to win games because Rangers were going into Sunday games with Celtic being six points behind, nine points behind, twelve points behind. You know what it's like back in the day. You know, one wins on the Saturday, you need to win on the Sunday and all the rest of it. Celtic never tested that theory and never put Rangers under pressure, so they didn't have to deal with the pressure. Aye, but we'll, as well as that, we'll give we need to give massive credit to St Johnson. I think one thing that's St Johnson set up brilliantly for this game, Steve is under Clark. But how surprised were you to see that? Are you surprised at how it's well? Not, it's not a thing you see regular. Um, it's certainly um, the goalkeepers I had in my time, you wouldn't send them up for a corner. So, um, listen, being a minute to go in the Scottish Cup quarter final, um, you, you do, you fling everything at it uh, in the last kick of the ball. Um, you know, he's come up, he's a big unit. Uh, but even ahead of itself, you know, when you've seen he's come in and yeah, even strikers, last kick of the ball, put that over the bar. So, um, listen, fair play to him. Um, and when you seen that happening, you just knew in penalty kicks he was going to be able to see a couple of penalty kicks as well. You just knew that um, he's gone from sky high. At that point, he's are probably deflated. When you lose a goal in the last kick of the ball, um, it's going to be hard to pick yourself back up. So, uh, But you're right. Credit St. Johnson. Um, I thought the formation was superb. The way they set up, um, the 3-5-2. And actually, I spoke to Derek about that because he covered a couple of the games. Uh, and he said that. He said, everybody knows their job. Everyone knows what to do with and without the ball, and you can see that even from the front. Um, it did it to them. Um, I just think, as we said earlier, as you think, Rangers missed an opportunity there. Um, you know, and you can look at it and dress up either way with the supporters, no supporters. Um, well, it's really, really just been there and played there. Uh, but you now, if you're 50,000 supporters behind you and you need extra time, uh, they'll drive you on to get over the line. And uh, I think Rangers have, have missed that with the supporters. I, I do agree uh, about Tavenier. 
in Golson. I think some players will be affected differently uh, by the supporters. Some will take it in their stride, some won't. won't. Um, you know, but I think over the piece, uh, we're talking about the Rangers in the league campaign, they've been, they've been superb. I know he's in front, they never took the foot off accelerator. Uh, any terms of chat, Celtic slipped up, Rangers, Rangers won. And that, over the years, especially last four or five years, it was opposite way about. Um, you know, so the, the Scottish Cup will look at the, the, the four teams left. Um, and yes, just get back to this, but really, so it has been um, the favourites, probably the league for them on paper, yeah, but I think St. Johnson, all the fans here, they've already won a cup this year. They've been to Hamden and won, so uh, I would maybe just put them um, as a favourite for that cup. Yeah, definitely. We'll move on to the final Scottish Cup quarter final. Wilson probably thought after Rangers going out that Kilmarnock were the favourites. Absolutely. No, didn't end up that way, although we did think there was a they did bounce back really well, but first things first, how worried were you when you saw Kyle Lafferty not in the squad? Well, the, the kind of rumours started early doors and uh, Twitter through the day. Now, who who posted it? I think it was the fellow that does the Pine Bovril chat, who's a renowned St. Munn supporter, and I thought it was a wee bit of just hijinks. Um, and then when I heard he was injured, the kind of word we were getting was... You know, he would miss tonight, but he'd be fit for Saturday, which, again, the leads are bread and butter. We need to stay up. Um, but, again, you know, obviously he's missed because he's an outstanding player, but Kelly still scored three goals, you know, which is which was a good sign. Um, the, the guy Oakley come in, did well enough. I know he's maybe not much as a goal threat as Kyle Lafferty, but, again, I mean, at I, it, it 2-1, you think, can you see it out? Um, and you lose it. You lose a, um, a late goal. And then I didn't think either were penalties. The first ones are penalties. We've got out of jail here. We've got a penalty for nothing. And then at the end, I, I don't know why. The goalie's lacking confidence anyway for the goal he gave away. Yeah. Why Ross Millen does not kick that right down Rugby Road, um, I'll never know. Um, and it gives the referee a decision to make. I thought actually theirs was more of a penalty when Kilmarnock got, but I didn't think either were stonewallers. Um, and then, as I say, your, your lottery at, at penalty kicks, it was... It was quite a high standard of penalties, to be fair, I thought, uh, apart from uh, Rory McKenzie's. But very, I mean, this, I think any team, you know, any team that would have been disappointed at going out, knowing that Rangers and Celtic you know, were already out. Uh, but as I say, I, I'm taking the positives from, you know, three goals without Lafferty. But if, if Lafferty's going to be out, as kind of folk are murmuring um, for the season, then that, that's a massive worry because he's, he's come in and done really well. For Kilmarnock scored a few goals, but again, the focus now is about staying up. You know, you can forget the cup. You don't have to maybe protect players or rest players now. It's it's, it's full on three massive games coming up. But as I say, it's disappointing. I thought, you know, I didn't think there was anything wrong tactically or anything. Um, and then Kabamba going off a wee bit, you know, could you not just come on and try and do a job? I hope the injury's not as bad as it seemed, but I'm just thought he could have done a job, um, even just out the road to let somebody else play or even just fill in to get somebody a rest but that's what it is that's the lottery of penalties but disappointing because I, I, I feel Tommy Wright's now kind of got a, a strangle holding the team and he's he's definitely improved the performances of Hanstrup and Pinnock and Greg Kilty eh, to name a few so hopefully the future's bright even though we get we get beat definitely Steve is there anyone to add in the command of some yeah just a couple of uh, points um, I'll talk about the, the the Oakley, um, and I remember Inverness, and it was always a handful because of the size of him. Um, 
Uh, just an interesting point. I wonder if the guys agree. Uh, he went off because he had been booked, uh, and you can see that cut of hills after that. But just after himself, uh, when uh, when when I wonder if he'd been putting the guy up that scored the goal because um, it cut Broadfoot was the wrong side him. You know, it was a centre half. Just wonder if Oakley had been picking up at set plays. Uh, and the other point was being, you're talking about game management. You're like, Ross Mullins got to just kick that into Rose Ed. Uh, and no, don't hesitate at all and then defend after that. So, um, but it was never a penalty kick. Never as simple as that. I don't know if it's maybe the referee's done it to try even, even up, but how he can give a penalty kick for that, uh, I don't know. But he's right, he scored three goals at home. Um, would you expect to get through? We probably would. Uh, and it's fine lines to get the quarterfinals, but it was an interesting point because I think Oakley was a handful. I just won the few still in the park. Would he have picked up the guy that scored the goal? I mean, I, I, I didn't really notice the, the callers in, but again, you look at it, and I, and I hate to criticise anybody that doesn't play for Rangers, but um, Kurt Broadfoot, with the experience he's got, you know, why, why is he wrong side? You know, I'm coaching I'm coaching the kids' football tonight, and I'm teaching them about being on the right side, you know, how to defend your goal. And he's a Scottish international, it's played at the very highest level. You know, and it was, it was bizarre for him to me. He's been a young boy, centre half then. Okay, fair enough, but but not Kirk. No chance. Rory, yeah, you want to add in that game? No, it's, it's great having guys like Stevie on because that's a, very much a manager's perspective. It's not something I noticed either. So it's 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 stuff, you know, having done a bit of coaching myself and being on the licenses, it's, it's interesting to hear that point of view. It's not something I would have ever picked up on. So I, I mean, on Oakley himself, Taking him off because you get booked. I, I thought he's no easy on the eye, but certainly I think when you, you looked at the the, the centre backs for St. Martin Shaughnessy, for example, when Oakley was in the pitch, I don't think he got a header over the halfway line where Clearance and Kamalik were picking things up in the halfway line. You take him off, all of a sudden Shaughnessy's clearances are going 20, 30 yards further and you're under a little bit more pressure. So I take him off because he's booked. I'm looking at it from the point of view of going, well, I, I would have kept him on and taken the risk, but you know, it's a very interesting point Stevie makes. Um, but also, as Wilson says, you're still expecting if you're taking uh, Oakley off and you're bringing um, Broadfoot on to, or Broadfoot's taking up his position in terms of marking, you're not expecting Broadfoot to make that mistake. Um, I was a little bit disappointed in Tommy Wright's comments after the game. You know, we've touched on Jim Goodwin this year coming out and saying, um, you know, let's name names with divers and penalties, yet he's very, very closed book when it comes to any of his players going over in the box and him winning soft penalties, which, you know, if you're going to be that vocal, you've got to be honest enough. I'm not saying come out and lambast your players, but come out and say, I probably wasn't a penalty or whatever else. But Tommy Wright last night, he basically said that Don Robertson had ruined the game and he was the reason it went to penalties, but he wasn't, and he says he's got to be man enough to admit that. I think Tommy Wright's got to come out and say, well, if we're going to be man enough to admit things, the game should have finished two each then. Um, and no three so it would have went to penalties either way so to, to say that the St Murn one wasn't a penalty but then totally dismissed the fact that you got a penalty that probably wasn't seemed a bit strange to me um, but the game overall was really entertaining um, the, the one thing that would drive me mad and I agree with Stevie and, and, and Wilson that it wasn't a penalty for St Murn and I hate cliches in football but why is the goalie that given, given him a decision to make how did he not catch that ball like he's come out He's timed it perfectly. Catch the ball. Don't give the guy a decision to make. I disagree. I think Millen does fine. I should, in hindsight, clear it because the keeper can't do his job. But the keeper's got to catch the ball. He, you know, Ross Millen gets himself between the, the the attacker and the ball. He shields it. It's clear what he's doing. The keeper comes off his line. He gets there. And he can't catch it. And I just think that, for me, is the goalie's fault. I'd be looking at that and I'd be raging if I was Ross Millen because it makes him look terrible when I don't think it was actually that bad a mistake. 
But overall, um, I'd be surprised if um, Danny Rogers isn't between the sticks for the for the relegation showdowns. Yeah, definitely. We'll move on to our special guest, Stevie Aitken. Stevie, obviously you started your playing career featured good spells at Morningstone. Ra, how how would you say you did as a player? Uh, average. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, listen, when you leave school at 16, and Rory will tell you, um, you always want to go and be a professional footballer. That's the, that's the dream. Um, you know, and I joined Morton at an early age through the YTS scheme there, um, signing my first pro contract at 18, and um, and thoroughly enjoy being uh, a footballer up in the morning, going to train. Um, looking back now, did I, did I do enough? I probably didn't do enough. I probably was just one of these guys that uh, done enough at training just to get by. Um, and that's all we always say to players like you need to do more than that. And, Derek McCann's a perfect example at Morton. That's why he has moved on to Rangers and had a, had a good career playing. Um, you know, but you don't know a lot of the things when you're younger. Um, and, and then Morton in the administration, uh, I went to Sunra um, and that's why I went to go to, uh, change to go part time. Again, looking back, because I went to Airdrie at full time, would that have been a better career move? It probably would have been. Uh, you know, but you make decisions based on maybe sometimes your gut feeling. Uh, you know, but to play uh, kind of lower leagues uh, for, for a number of years, I did do. Uh, I managed to get up a number of games. I'm, I did play, and I must have been doing something right. And then, obviously, you moved into management with Strumrar. Was there pressure on you because obviously you'd done well there as a player? Like, do you feel that pressure when you obviously take the manager's job there? Yeah, I think when you take a manager's job, there's always no pressure. Uh, I think going to Strumrar at that time was probably the right move for myself uh, because they were um, financially in a, in a bad way. Um, you know, they were kind of probably rock bottom. So to get into a club that's rock bottom, there's only one way you can go, and that's up the way. You know, I brought Stevie Farrow in, um, as you know, as assistant, and we changed the whole uh, background of the club. We didn't have a training base, um, so we did get a training base in Glasgow, um, a brand new complex managed to get. So we started making the players feel as if they wanted to come to the work, and I've always said that, you've got to make it um, interesting for them, you've got to make it, keep them on their toes. Uh, Stevie done a lot of that with the training, um, with, the, with the good spirit there, um, recruited a lot of good players. You know, in the first, first year, we kept them in division. In the second year, uh, again, the focus that's from Rangers in the league, they say is look, try and keep us in the division again. We finished fourth that year. And then the following year, um, again, we tried to maybe try and target playoffs and uh, we nearly won the league. We lost in the last day of the season, Morton picked us for it. So we had three good years there um, and really helped you improve as a manager. Um, so you, you're going to be unknown. You, you don't really know how you Did you go from being a player to being a manager at Stranor? Like, you were a player at Stranor, then you were a manager at Stranor. How was the yeah, transition was... being a player, like getting the buy-in for the dressing room when you went from being one of the boys to being a manager? That must have been tough. It was. I think the, the, the journey that I took on it was I was playing and I went for plenty of coaching. Uh, so I helped Keith Knox uh, take the training. Uh, so he was based in Strath and I was based in Glasgow. So I took the Glasgow boys training. So he kind of got a feel for it then. Then I went to assistant manager. Same process. We had the training in Glasgow. Keith came up. And I was then going to meet players and, and do negotiating with them because I was, I was a local. And I think that gave me, when I went to doing the manager's job full-time, uh, because I had that wee spell, then I, was, I kind of broke me into it. But I think you're right. I think players come out of playing. And you see it. Um, when players finish, you straight into management. It sink or swim time. You don't get a lot of time in management to get up and running. So I think the, the pro, the, if I was giving them any advice, I would try and get into coaching first. Then for coaching, then maybe dip, dip your feet into the assistant manager. Uh, but management, um, the nothing's on you. Um, you know, so it certainly did help me, um, and that gave us the opportunity to obviously uh, to go out to Dumbarton, uh, which is a big obviously a challenge in the championship, which we managed to do two to three years. So, um, no, I had a good spell, uh, and enjoyed every, every minute of it. You mentioned Dumbarton there, obviously, and I've said you said that to you before. 
when we've met, but it's probably one of the most underrated jobs in Scottish football in recent memory, how well you've done at the Barton and the budget there. Like, do you, are you real, is that your kind of proudest moment in football, how well you've done at the Barton? Yeah, I look back. Uh, I love my time there. Um, you know, it was always a huge challenge. When I took the job, my managers were phoning me and saying, oh, when I took, took that, because a part-time team in the Championship eventually wouldn't come out of it. You've got lowest budget, you only train a couple of times a week. Um, but I wanted the challenge. I wanted to try and manage the Championship at that point. Hubs were in it. Uh, Dundee Knight that. Big, big clubs. I wanted to go there and manage and, and test myself. Uh, and the, the two years we were there, um, well, to keep them up was uh, a great achievement. And you see... Even since I've left, uh, the team that's in the championship, there's Al, unfortunately relegated. They've both have done great. Um, teams more like two or three years in it, and then possibly after that, then they'll start to struggle. Because given time, it's hard for part-time teams to compete uh, as long as that. So um, it was great. I loved it. Uh, in the third year, we got to a cup final, first time in the club's history to get to like a, a, a major cup final, as you say. Uh, and that was that, that was terrific, but we really struggled. Um, you know, we, and we just lost the playoffs to Alloa. But I kind of knew then that it was probably time at that time was for me to go, you know. But I wanted one more chance to try and get them back up. But certainly, the championship was great for me, great experience, loved every minute of it, yeah, you know. And you're right, and uh, looking back now, it's uh, I'm proud that we, we kept them in there. Brilliant. Now you're at East Kilbride, obviously, you've got a Rangers legend with you, Ian Duran. What's, what's the banter like? like? How good is he? Is, first of all, as a coach, and what's, what's the light in the dressing room with the, the players? Well, that's the story will tell you. You can see him know at first hand. Um, what he's like, and all his jocks now, all his one liners. So um, they don't surprise me when it comes out with it. But he's getting about the place. You know, I've always said he's a winner, um, even from his playing days. And most importantly, can to come back for his, his knee injury. Uh, you know, you, you've got to have something about you to come back for that because even to this day, yeah, he's in a lot of pain. Uh, you know, but every day he gets up and he goes about his business. So. I've also have something a lot about the place, um, you know, and he's great for younger players as well um, to look up to. Um, and he's, he's, listen, he's just a good guy to have about the place. Um, East Kilbride, when, when I left him back, but I took some time out. Uh, I spoke to a few clubs, I've offered a few jobs, but I just didn't want to get back into the same management about uh, struggling every year to my budget. Um, I wanted something different, something to excite me. But I went and met the guys at East Kilbride, the owners, uh, the vision they had going forward about trying to get a loan league. I've got plans for a new stadium, £10 million. Um, they want to get that done. They want to try and get for go League to League 2, League 2 to League 1, and they've got the finances and the drive behind it, um, and they're passionate about it. So that got me excited again. Uh, unfortunately, last season with the with, with COVID and the league finishing early, it didn't really give us a proper chance to it. But uh, we'll go again this year. Uh, you know, if we can get them up, uh, that that will top off, obviously, uh, a lot I've done in management. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, I can't wait to go again. It's be encouraging the amount of boys you've got going on loan to up the leagues and doing pretty well. See, Stevie Bell played for Partick the other day in a, a team that's looking like they're going to win the title. So that must be pretty encouraging with the, the squad you've got that clubs in these types of types of leagues are coming after your players. Yeah, we worked hard in the summer, Rory, um, to get the players in. Obviously, it was asked to get Chris Eskin, Paul Payton, uh, guys like Andy, Steve Noble came up from Morecambe. Uh, so we'd done a lot of focus on the recruitment side of it. Um, and it was starting to kind of blend. You can see, I think we signed some like 16 players, and it was too many. Um, you know, and it, they don't all work out. And you, and when the lockdown came, and the, the League One, League Two, start signing players, it was incredible that the amount of phone calls that I took. Um, you know, you get Chris Eskin now, Austin Injured now, Stephen Bell, Thistle. Paul Payton, Airdrie, Kyle Hutton went to Cowden Beath, Lewis Kidd went to Albion Rovers, um, and there's three or four others um, that actually get phone calls for wanting to go, but the players that I gave up to them, they say, look, I'm just 
wait to next season. That, and that was your cho- choice to go and do that. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I might not get them back. Uh, and that's the problem because I've been out there and done well. Um, like that's I said, Stevie Bell's um, been, been superb at part, part of the reports for getting back, which doesn't surprise you. He's a top pro. Yeah, and our guys are doing fine as well. So uh, we'll see they're back in two or three weeks' time and we'll sit down and hopefully try and get them tied up again. Definitely. Rory, you obviously played under Stevie. What's your memories of Stevie, when Stevie was a manager? Just uh, kind of the, the thing which kind of resonates with me is exactly what you said there, just make, making it a good place to work. I think they had a good blend, uh, the gaffer and, and Durante. Durante was um, was great for, for, for team spirit and how he was around the place, um, and, and Stevie got, had you in as well at some point, um, who was Jim Duffy's assistant at Morton, who took a lot of the training, you know, and Stevie was kind of the, the mastermind behind it all, and then you had Durante uh, getting the boys going, so it, it was really good. Just interesting to hear, hear him talking there about kind of the players he's got at East Cobride and probably the expectation level, because going into that season, that expectation level was there for us. You know, we'd all went to Dumbarton, and when I say all us, it was myself, you know, Ross Forbes, a few boys around that particular time who, you know, you know, put probably pressure on the club to to be favourites to go up. Um, you know, on a personal note, I struggled massively for, for a number of reasons. Um, struggled on the pitch um, and and off the pitch with, I don't know, I, I don't know if it was a change of environment in the part-time and then, you know, I wasn't playing particularly well and then I'm used to getting home and you're trying to deal with that but then I was going out into the railway and you're sitting in your motor all night and all I can think about is how bad I'd played that day and then my back went, and it was just a. It felt like everything that could have went wrong that season went wrong. Not just for me personally, but there was a lot of underperformance that year, which was a shame because we had such a good squad. And it's one of those things you just can't really put your finger on. Um, and it was it was such a shame because my memories of it were I looked forward to a Tuesday night and a Thursday night, but it got to the stage where I couldn't move. So I'm going in and sitting in the physio room all night, and it's a shame. And then when the manager leaves, you kind of feel part responsible for that, which. As a player, there's a lot of players who find that hard to take because, you know, you're signed as a as somebody who wants to improve the club, and when you don't deliver and then you're injured, you know that that's when things in football uh, behind the scenes that people don't realise and people don't see that aren't involved in football. That's tough, and then the manager loses his job on the back of that. You know, and these are all the hard things that people struggle with in football. That um, you know, there's a lot of chat about mental health, etc. And it's, it's these types of scenarios which arise that people struggle with. So. It was a shame that year, um, the way it worked out, because we had such a good squad and the camaraderie was good. There was no bad eggs. There was nothing behind. It just didn't work. And, you know, for me on a personal level, it was it was along with my last spell at Falkirk, probably the, the, the most disappointing season of my career for a number of reasons. But I did struggle to adapt to part-time. But in terms of the gaffer and Durante and anyone else that was involved at the department at the time, I, I couldn't even speak I couldn't even speak highly enough of them because I, I did love my time there. It was just a shame the way it worked out. Just, you're right, Rory. It, it just didn't work out in terms of the, the recruitment for me in the summer was good. Um, the players we signed were players that I think would take us back up. But we never got a run at it. When you look back now, and I, you look back and people talk about it, but I couldn't even get for the bench with subs. You know, I'd take two subs most of the games. I was asking guys to play, rush you back fully quicker because you had the problem your back to try and get back playing, which wasn't fair on you. Yeah, you're right. It was just a struggle from day one. We kept it lively, and I was always confident. I said that to, to the board. Um, they did made their mind up they're going to sack me uh, well before the national argument was. Um, and I said, look, once we you guys fit, Dom Thomas came in just a week before I left. I says, we'll be fine. We'll go back up that league. It's only the first quarter. But they made up their minds and they wanted a change, um, and you just go and live with that. But 
I just looked back and we, we just never get going at all. It was just not, not, not his fault. It was just one of these things that happened in football that um, you look back and we did do it differently. No, the, the players assigned uh, proved that season they were good enough to play in that division. Um, just unfortunately, as I say, it's, things went wrong at the start of the season and that's football. You just, you just need to move on to that. Yeah, definitely. Well, sir, obviously we, we pass the floor to you here for your quick fire round here tonight. It's very interesting. No, not at all. Same as always. <laughs> but just just on a couple of points here, I've been listening intently to the, the two guys. Well, maybe not Rory. Um, <laughs> uh, just uh, if, if you're playing golf with Derek McInnes this week, or whenever, could you just ask him if he'd be interested in the commander job if Tommy Wright were to leave? <laughs> I'm I'm meeting him on Thursday for a game, so uh, I'll certainly do that for no problem. Just just drop it in there because I'm a big fan of his. But I know he kind of wasted his career going to Rangers, but um, I I fancied him for the when I heard he left Aberdeen and Kelly were looking for a manager. I would have liked Derek McInnes to come in. Um, So just drop that and speak to his agent and that as well. What he he actually said was he wanted Peter Lovencrantz. So don't let him kid you. I've got the recording. No, 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 no. It's not what I said. It's not what I said. I would have liked him to think you. outside the box and maybe go down a route like that, is what I said. I didn't want, I keep saying, I don't want folk on the manager merry-go-round. I want something a wee bit different. A wee bit different. That's when Love and Krantz and Kevin Toms come into the equation. So watch the recordings back, Stephen. Don't listen to him. <laughs> anyway, so... We, we absolutely loved after three seconds you've dropped a big name in Derek McInnes and that's what we want. We don't <laughs> want Stranra players and Morton players. We want big hitters, big names, Ian Durantz, etc. and these answers. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Right. So we, we always ask the same first question, Stephen, to get you going. And it's got to be first honest, open answer. Right? Right. So Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. Was Rory Lawyer wage thief at Dumbarton? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Who was your idol as a kid? Uh, David Cooper. Oh, that's a good one. Chris Aitken or Stevie Aitken as a player? Oh, it's Chris Aitken all day long. Will Morton get relegated this year? I hope not. Oh, it's him on the fence. Can I, can I give you that? Can I give you that? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. Best, best friend in football? Ryan Reid. VAR or Nova? Nova, 100%. Gaza or Durant? Gaza. Sorry, Durant. <laughs> I told you, Ian, I told you you'd say Gaza. I, I, I say you should have put in McInnes and no Gaza, but you want it anyway. <laughs> Stevie Aitken or Stevie Farrell, best manager? Oh, Stevie Aitken all day long. <laughs> Kelly or Aya? Kelly. Oh, yes, I should. 100%. Absolutely delighted. What team do you hate the most? Oh, St. Mon. Oh, super. Rory's a big fan as well. <laughs> right. Who's the best player you've played with? Uh, probably Derek McInnes, just out edges, Yanni Lindberg. The finish at Nashville could be Morton, do you remember that? Ah, yes, aye. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he was superb, but Derek McCannis was, was a state above. Merlin Allen, my hood. 
Mm, touch and go. I think Hoodie's injury at the time um, maybe hurt him um, in terms of where he was going to go. Uh, didn't really come back for his cruise ship, although he did go to Quant and done really well. But I think he was maybe tipped to the top right in Nottingham Forest. Uh, great, great lad, great guy. Um, and probably should have played higher up. But I think that injury probably held him back. But I think Derek just had that wee bit about him more than anybody else. Well, they played for Kelly. Can you get much higher? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah. No, 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 can he? <laughs> Best player played against? Uh, Paul Lambert. Oh, that's a good one as well. Worst player you've played with? Uh, <laughs> Cameroon international goalkeeper, Andre Bow. Was that at Lawton? Yes, they're one yeah. for you to check it. <laughs> Worst player played against? Who did you always give water in the heat to? Maybe I was never good enough to do that. <laughs> play against Rory? I, 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 he was at St Mern and um, I was at Dumbarton and that's when St Mern they thought we had them for the um, they were doing it kind of bottom of the league um, Jack came in signed all the guys and they made up for above us so uh, they, they gave us a bit, of, a bit of damage to the fair and I think that's why I wanted to go and sign them So he wasn't a wage thief at St Mern like he was at Dumbarton? <laughs> no that's uh, no. it was an honest pro um, an honest guy so no he said I was there's a few out there, but you wasn't one. I was, the, I was the saviour of St. I just, it was a shame I couldn't have done the same for the Barton. The saviour. Oh, he was. He was. When they signed him, I'm like, oh, here we go. I was trying to get something loan for I can't remember what club it was for. And I'm thinking, I'm doing no bad here. Then St. Martin going to sign really low. And I'm like, oh, do you, know, do you know what it was? Do you know who, do you know, Jack Ross phoned me and he said, do you know who I need to get out the door? So I don't want to get you in. Lon Shanklin, I need to get him out. That's what he said to me. Exactly. And he got him out and Shanklin went, Shanklin was in the motor to Air United. And I was going to be going to Morton, changed my mind, went to St Martin. That's right. Shanklin does a U-turn, goes to Morton, uh, signs for Morton, has bang average for six months. I do well for six months, and then fuck it, it's it's, it's mad how how football changes. And then if you were to ask Jack Ross the new, do you want to sign Lon Shanklin? He would snap your hand off. It's it's, it's crazy football. Yeah. Right. Who's the next Celtic manager? Uh, Stevie Clark. Actually, that's who I said. Who's the next Rangers manager when Gerard leaves in the summer? Uh, <laughs> his assistant, Roy Beale. Ooh, that's a good one. Interesting. Best stadium you've played in? Hamden. Worst stadium you've played in? Uh, oh, there's a few. I'll tell you, there's a few. Uh, East Orleans Old Park member. What is it like? We used to call it the Lynx Park. Was that Norman Throws Lynx Park, no? Aye, it was always East Ellis Park. Was it First Park? Aye, First Park. Aye, First Park, aye. aye. I'm thinking oh. I still in Albion's was Anfield, was it no? Still still in Albion Park. Aye, aye that's right, so it was. Yeah. Right, we could have touched on it. Who, who won the Scottish Cup? I'm going for St Johnson. Who's the best player at East Kilbride? Oh, there's a few good ones there. Um... Only one, we, don't, we want one name. Just one. Don't say Kyle Hutton. <laughs> Definitely no Kyle Hutton. Definitely no Kyle Hutton. That's, have you said the worst player in me to get that one? No, I can't. Let's keep that in mind. We've got that two for one. Chris Erskine. Don't worry. And the worst player, Kyle Hutton? <laughs> <laughs> Aye, go for it. In <laughs> right. all the dressing rooms you've been in, who's got the best part? 100% Ian Duran. <laughs> That's to be done it. What coach or manager do you admire the most? 
Um, I, th- I think of my good friend Derek McInnes. I think what he's done, what he's achieved in there, I always follows his career, what he's done, um, and try and learn bits off him. So, um, certainly because I know him, then he's got my shout for that. What's your ambition? Trying to stay in football as long as I can um, and try and get East right up. I think I've had the achievement to try and get them through the leagues. Uh, if I can do that, then uh, I'd be happy with that. And who win the Euros? <clears throat> uh, England. All right, get him off. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to Shankers before the show started. Oh, dear. It's all right to see. That's superb. He's an England fan, him. That's it. That's, that's, that's very good. Can't believe you picked Gaza, though, before Ian Durant. Don't tell him, Don't no. tell Brilliant. We've got time for a few fan questions. This is an interesting one. I'm glad Steve is on to talk about this. What is everyone's views on Griffin potentially getting out of the playoffs again? Steve, what's your kind of thoughts on that? I know it's kind of up in the air. I don't know if there's any news in the past couple of days that I haven't heard, but as things stand, like, what's your thoughts on it? I think the stumbling block being is uh, the amount of games Borough's played. Uh, I think Breakin are quite happy to play uh, the playoffs, uh, certainly against Kelly Hearts. But I think the stumbling block has been that uh, Borough's only played three games. Um, at the start of the season, uh, all the clubs agreed that if, if it is uh, cut short with COVID, uh, then the playoffs will, will, will remain in place. The stumbling block has been we started at the time we were told to start. The Henley didn't. Henley refused to play to start until the supporters were coming in. So they didn't actually start playing until it went to kind of tier one. And that's why they played three games. So <laughs> do they deserve after three games to in a playoff? They probably don't. The Kelly Hearts, well, Kelly Hearts played the games they play. So I think they deserve that. But if they don't have the playoffs, what's the point in their pyramid system if yeah. they can't actually uh, get that? I can, listen, if I'm breaking City, I'm going to challenge that all day long. Uh, 100% I'm going to do that. Because uh, I think you've got to look after some club on that. Two years in a row, the finished bottom of the league, they deserve to go. Yeah, they probably do. They probably do do that, um, you know. But what we have been told over the last couple of days is the it's, it's in the hands of lawyers now. Like, if the lawyers say it's got to get played, uh, then Beacon's going to go ahead and play the game. But I think that's the stumbling block is the minute against Dora played. Well, so what's your thoughts on that? Again, it's it's so it's so difficult. Um, our, our lifetime, hopefully, we'll never experience this pandemic ever again. But Sometimes there's just kind of unique situations in life um, and things, unfortunately, will probably... A game of football is going to get played out in a courtroom, which I think sad in itself. Um, I totally agree. Is that not twice Kelty Hearts have been stitched up? Did they not? Yeah, they don't yeah, win the they league the as well. I didn't grow up again. So I, I, I think for that point of view, then it's, it's disappointing. But as Stephen said, you know, if you're a breaking city... In another year to try and stay in the league, then you'd be you'd be going all, all guns blazing for that. But again, I, I do have sympathy for all these things that have been aff- affected by uh, COVID. And it's as I say, but again, I, I don't know the kind of legal implications of the Highland League refusing to play as such for before punters were allowed in. Find that find that a wee bit strange, you know. I think we would imagine, imagine, for example, Rangers decided that or Celtic decided that. Yeah, we're not playing this season. To all the clubs, what they've done was the they put it out there. So that's the only league would you play, and we said, yeah, League One, League Two. Yep, they put it to Highland League. Uh, are you going to play because there's no supporters like that? They said no. The revenue is generated by people coming through the gate, so they said no. When uh, they touched to like, Tier One, as did Sunrise, they said supporters in for one game. So once they touched Tier One, they started playing, and that's why they get the three games in. Um, mm. So the argument being is like Kelly said, 
well, we played when we asked to go and play. You turn around and say, no, you're not playing until you let supporters in. So uh, I think the easiest way out of it, it uh, maybe keep them all happy, was the reconstruction. So Rangers, Celtic, Colts in, uh, too high in league and too low in league, and that keeps breaking there. Uh, I'm led to believe that will probably go to a vote, uh, which will probably get knocked back. Um, you know, so you're right. You don't want to see anything getting judged in or decisions made and uh, the lawyers getting involved in it, you know, but I think, as you said, touched on it, this, this pandemic has just changed the whole aspect of football, what's been happening. You've seen it last year with teams getting relegated with games in hand. Uh, so who knows what's going to happen, you know, but somebody will not be happy because if Kelly Hearts don't get a chance to go back up, yeah. where do they go? That's yeah, two years in a row. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Rory, is there any way to add on that? No, uh, Steve is probably definitely, without doubt, the best guy to ask about that. Um, I think um, Brecon finishing bottom twice in a row, Kelly Hearts finishing twice, uh, top twice in a row as well, but I mean, it's it's been unprecedented this year. We're always almost making rules up as we go along because there's been no rules invented for these types of situations. So it's difficult to criticise anybody for, you know, coming up with a decision because it's it's going to affect somebody. Some it's going to you know I heard Craig Levine talking on Monday night um, about how it affected Hearts and you know that makes him very against certain things, whereas if it affects you the opposite way and positively, you're very for it. And it all depends on which club you're for. And, and, and Stevie's absolutely right. You know, you're going to back your club and you're going to do what's best for your club. And Mick Payton um, at, at Brecon will be doing that and all the guys at Brecon will be doing that. So, aye, it's, it's an impossible situation. And it doesn't matter what happens, it's not going to be fair. So it, it's it's almost impossible and it's going to come down to your vote. So as, as, as Wilson says, let the legal guys deal with it for one year because it's a shame that it's going to... Uh, you know, hanging that way, but it's inevitable somebody's going to be unhappy. Definitely. Wilson, what's your thoughts on the Premier Sports League Cup deal? I, I didn't read it. I don't, I don't subscribe to Premier Sports as there's another uh, broadcast company that rips me for over £100 every month that I won't name. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> dick. Whether he get away with that Dick Turpin behaviour at Dumbarton, he does it in his day job and all. Let me tell you, this guy, holy smokes. You'd think I had a gold television coming to the moon, this fella. But anyway, no, I, don't, I, don't, I just I always, again, let's be honest, even neutral fans, if their team's not involved, they want to see Celtic playing Rangers. You know, that's that, that's your cup final day. If you're not in it, to sit and watch the telly or the game, you want to, you want the an old firm cup final. And I think Premier Sports have been stitched up a bit this year with the ボトルファンティーズのキネザーのキノイボトルエスナイトノベルフォーチンリーランザテイクハイロードファンビハブザカップファイナルユロンアンソーナーノエンプレゼンプレミアスポーツアンレスレスレスレスレスレスレスレス
Ryan Jack would be there. Don't think I had him in Matchbook, but anyway. But obviously he's been injured, unfortunately. So there's a few spaces now. Do you see any massive surprise packages now? The size of the squad's increased. And I'm asking that to all of you. We'll go, Stephen. Um, well, first of all, with 26 players, I've never had 26 players combined with three teams. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder what that is for a start. Um, That's because Rory had the wager, nine of them. You go <laughs> the that problem is that. Um, I think I think you're right. Steve Clark's going to be a loyal one, rightly so. I mean, it's the first time we've qualified for a, a major tournament for a number of years. Uh, he's not going to change much to it. Uh, I think Nathan Patterson, because he's emerged, um, and we've not really blessed with another right back apart from Boy O'Donnell. Would he probably get in? Uh, yes, uh, if it's extended. But if it wasn't extended, then I'm not sure he would have gotten. So I think that would certainly help him. Uh, but then MDL's jumping out there. I'm not sure there's anybody else jumping. I think the score is probably set in stone with it is maybe by one or two. So uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you. I think Stephen Clark's a loyal guy and we'll stick the ones that have got. What do we think about like Ryan Gold? Like, I know he's, his name's come up a bit with, with Scotland fans. He, obviously, he's, I, know, I can't imagine if Wilson's not watched Premier Sports, he'll not be watching Ryan Gold. But do you, do you take, do you go more for creative players or do you kind of bring in a few more defenders to kind of? give you that option. I think it has to do with the fact there's going to be five subs, so there are going to be more players coming on than usual, so I think that is why it's getting added to 26, but where do you the priorities are for the kind of three spaces, Wilson? Again, I, I mean, I, I, I said on this, and um, I, I there's a few guys that I, I don't think I had Shankland, McBurney, um, or Nisbet in my squad. I'd went old school and I think Lee Griffiths and Stephen Naismith can offer a hell of a lot more than those guys. I know they're a lot more senior in years, but again, I don't think we're blessed. I think Chi Adams is a fine, so I'd imagine Chi Adams and Dykes would be your kind of one and two, first two. And then, but I think maybe the likes of Griffiths and Naismith in and around a camp with young boys. I, st- I think now with 26, I think Billy Gilmer will get in the squad now. Um, I think he, he, he might be one. That, that may squeeze in, but as I say, we're so we're so kind of blessed in some areas, and then really struggle in other areas. Um, and I think that's where, you know, I mean, I, I made the point a few weeks ago, Stephen. I know I was kind of being flippant, but I, I think you know, since the kind of since they've qualified for the Euros, I think someone like Ryan Christie's in effect played his way out the squad with how poor his performances have been. Um, and I don't know whether it's maybe due to the system at Celtic or something else, but I think he's been he's been really, really poor for the high standards that he's set. Um, and I think that when you get McGann and Armstrong, McTominay, I don't think there's much space for any more midfielders. I think if we're looking at maybe an extra attacker, you say, mate, I, I, I hope the boy Parson gets in. I, I, I really do. I don't think there's much between um, him, but I think he'll be loyal to Adonis because Adonis played in the games that's got him there. Um I just thought with the extra, will he, will he be brave? I maybe brave's not the right word, but will he take a Nathan Patterson, a Billy Gilmer, you know, and another young kid, a youngest player, rather than going with what, what, what we've seen so far? Rory, who do you, who do you kind of think? Who would you take if you had the given Steve Clark's shoes? It's a, it's a tough one. Um, I think he will be loyal, and, I, and I've said it on the show before, like, he's starting a living. I think he'd be loyal, and I don't see any harm in that. You know, we, we touch a lot on the right back position because of the emergence of Nathan Patterson. So, you, you know, and I've, I'm kind of repeating myself over what I've kind of spoken about the last few weeks. But you've got Stephen O'Donnell in there who should absolutely start the first game of the Euros. 
uh, you're 60-65 minutes into the game and you're 1-0 down and you need to bring somebody on to give us more attacking threat. Are you bringing Liam Palmer on? You may as well keep Stephen O'Donnell on. So why would you no take Partson and have him on the bench? So I I think he will be loyal and he should be loyal. Um, I, I don't think your Naismiths, who's no getting a game for hearts at the moment, and Lee Griffiths, who, you know, you're talking about being in and around young boys, Lee Griffiths can score a goal, aye, but I don't think he's somebody you want to go and set to set an example to young boys within a training camp. Um, so I would I would stick with Dykes, who scored, you know, uh, he's kind of came to fruition in the last kind of yeah. couple of weeks, six weeks or so. Uh, the boy Che Adams is obviously at the level he's playing at a cut above, um, although it doesn't always work out that way. But I just think we've got three games. If you're getting three more players, why don't you take a Nathan Parson? Why don't you take a, um, I got his name wrong last week, I better not get it wrong again, Gilmer. Um, <laughs> doing at Chelsea. Why not take some somebody a wee bit different so that when you are 1 0 doing, you're there. I'm not going to say we're there once because we want to progress into the next uh, major tournament and the next one and the next one. I just think you would majorly regret it if you went there. You know you're starting 11. Why not have these boys on the bench? What, what are you going to lose if you're 2 0 doing England by bringing them on? You're going to lose nothing by bringing on Nathan Parson, but you lose 3 0 instead of 2 0 um, as opposed to bringing on Liam Palmer. I, I think take a gamble with your subs. You know, have have your mainstay, your 15, 16 players, but see if you're getting an extra three. Take somebody a wee bit different and see if it is Ryan Gold, then don't just take him as a spare player. Take him and throw him on for a game, see what he can do. I just think we've waited so long. Let's no come away from it going, you know, we, we tried our best not to get beat. So aye, I, I I would I would like to see him be loyal to the players that got us there. Um, don't get me wrong, I would take Al McGregor on a heartbeat uh, over David Marshall, and that's no slant on David Marshall, believe me. Um, but I, I agree with what Stevie's saying. I, I think he will be loyal, I think he should be loyal, but looking past the starting 11, I, I would be looking to introduce a little bit, something a little bit different. I don't want like for like on the bench. Definitely. We'll touch on quickly just before we, we finish up. We are going to do end of season awards. We're going to put the nominees out on Friday. We've worked everybody hard to send their nominees in, so we're going to have them out on Friday morning for everybody to vote on. That is us for this week's show. I just want to thank my special guest, Stevie, for coming on. Stevie, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've loved it. Uh, great to chat with you guys. Great to see Rory again. Um, you know, um, great lad. Um, enjoyed my time working with him, and I hope he's well. And if it's going well, well, then thanks for inviting me on. I know you've asked me a number of times and uh, the way it's came, so uh, hopefully it'll be as long and I can get back on it again. And, uh, and Wilson as well. So good to chat with you also. Thanks again. Brilliant. Wilson, Rory, it's been a pleasure as always. Brilliant. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Stephen. Lovely to meet you. Cheers. Thanks very Brilliant. much, everyone. Enjoy the show. Cheers. 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 Thank you. Thank you.